I want to speak to you. You know, you pray, God, what do you want for your people? What do you want for your people? I've been doing that now 28 years or so as senior pastor. And so, God, what do you want for your people here at the gospel? What do you want for the new year? What should we have? And so God moved me to preach this morning and speak about the subject of Romans chapter 8, verse 15. If you take your Bible, Romans 8, 15. Good memory verse, good verse to look at, meditate on. What is being saved all about? You know, the world, we Christians get in what we call Christian lingo. We got our Christian vocabulary. You're familiar with Christian vocabulary, right? You don't even know you have it. So you get out amongst a bunch of unsaved people. And you start talking in ways that they just look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? I've had them tell me, what is this thing you keep saying about being saved? You ever had that? You ever had them ask, what is saved? It does sound strange, doesn't it? You're going around saying, I'm saved. Saved? Saved from what? That's the whole sermon. I'm going to talk to you about what we're saved from. I love the book of Romans, fabulous, wow, Whew. to treat us of the gospel. Uh, a gift from God given to us through the Apostle Paul. And in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, we see that we're saved from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6 says the power of sin has been cut. Your chains have been broken. You're no longer a slave, helpless, doing what you're told to do by your flesh. Romans chapter 7, we're saved from the eventual presence of sin. I like where it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I cry that out. I'm eventually going to be saved from the very presence of sin. You know, we fight so hard to stay in this world. And it's God, you know, survival instinct. But if we were over on the other side for a minute or two, you would just be kicking yourself at why in the world you were trying to hold yourself in the presence of sin. Is not your heart vexed daily? at the ungodly behavior of the people in the world? Does it not vex your heart to know what they do at night and how they treat their newborn babies? Yeah, it does mine. Well, when you're delivered from the presence of sin, that's all gone. All that sorrow, which you don't even know you carry. You're so used to it. You don't even know you have it. You're going to be released from that. Woo! When you step over to the other side, it'll be like this big, heavy weight is lifted off of you. The weight of the ungodly behavior of not only them, but you. Your flesh. You in the flesh cannot please God. You know that. That's why we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. But you know, I'm going to confess this morning. Once in a while, I walk in the flesh. And all the people who work for me say, oh, 
You're not going to get a raise next year on that one. Everybody that works for me or gets close to me, I hate this. I'm ashamed of it. But I tell you, they see the flesh. Bill tell in the flesh. It's the truth. I hope they see Bill Lytell in the spirit also. I want to walk my woman. I, it's been only by the spirit of God that I've had a woman. As of January 26th, they'll have walked with me for 50 years. You got to know that's a miracle. Or you just don't know me well enough, or you know how big a miracle I'm talking. I have had so many problems. I'm a hothead and an angry man and vulgar talker without Jesus. So you're saved from the presence of sin, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 8, we were saved from the penalty of sin. Therefore, there is no condemnation of them or in Christ Jesus. That's you and me if you're born from above. I deserve condemnation, but God's given me mercy in the place of condemnation. Deliverance in the place of condemnation. You know, 2021 is looking up. Because things for a born-again believer are getting better as we get closer to what Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 tell you you have in Christ. But there's actually more than that. In our text verse, we are saved from bondage. You say, I've not been a slave to any man. No, but you're a slave to sin. You say, I'm not a slave to sin. Yes, you are. And you're going to get mad and show me you are. I met this old girl. She looked like she wouldn't step on an ant. She looked so innocent. But don't you young men ever get deceived that these old women, oh, they looked like they wouldn't hurt it. They've been wild when they were young. So she said, why? In this sweet little voice, I've never sinned. I challenged her. And she got mad at me and threw me out. Well, I thought that was sin right there, man. Be angry about sin. I sin not. I mean, she did sin. How dare you say you've never sinned? What blindness is that? We've been saved from the bondage of sin right now, today, and in, and in the present. Romans chapter 6, that blessed chapter, verse 12 through 14 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it. That's the slavery part, the bondage part in the lusts thereof. Lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, as our brother mentioned. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Today, if you know Jesus, you're alive from the dead. Glory, hallelujah. But yield, and, and your members yield as instruments of righteousness unto God. That what, member, what does it mean by members? Your mouth, your hands, your eyes, your voice, your feet, 
The Holy Spirit is, is a spirit. We're in a physical realm here. And if you're going to minister in a physical realm, he needs us to do it. He's decided that he needs us. And so he wants your hands to pass tracks out. He wants your mouth to share the gospel. He wants your eyes to, to look on good things and, and help, help people see good things. Your feet to go to the right places. For sin, I like verse 14, it's the pinnacle of it. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. I have in my notes, no more dominion in voting and in salvation. Glory to God, say amen. When, when they started counting votes, excuse me, but my nose is wanting to run. I don't know where it's trying to go, but I'm not sick. Do not be afraid. No more dominion. When 20 years ago, when they started counting ballots by computer, I told my wife, this is the worst thing that's happened in America in 50 years. Computers can be hacked, right? Where's, where's Abdiya? Computers can be hacked. And the CIA hacks foreign government's computers and tries to change the outcome of their election. Why wouldn't China do that to us? And why wouldn't Russia do that to us? And why wouldn't Venezuela try to? Why wouldn't they do that to us? We do that to them. Pray for your president because he looks to me like he's getting ready to take a stand. Glory to God. Yeah, amen. Amen. Your future is going to depend on it. He's getting ready to take a stand. He's getting ready to lay his life down for you and for me. May we be behind him and help him. The brother, more than that, Jesus laid his life down for us. Eternally. He went through Gethsemane. He went through the Via Della Rosa. He went to the cross. He allowed them to stretch his arms out out of joint. Mm, out of joint. I've pulled a few joints out, and boy, they hurt. And nail him. He allowed them to mock him without reply. Strip him naked. He allowed it all. Because he loves you. And gave himself for you. Sin is enslaving. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. The word servant is a little mild, really, for the Greek word. The Greek word there means born a bond slave. You're never going to be free. Whosoever sins, whosoever committeth sin or sins, if I may say it that way, is a bond slave in bondage to sin. But born-again believers are freed from that. Galatians 5.1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That means even though I've been set free, Romans chapter 6, I can go back, Romans chapter 7, if I walk in the flesh. I hate that. But once in a while I go back to the cesspool that I've been saved out of. But the Holy Spirit within me, thank God for him, he goes, stop! And he, it's like a twisting. It's like a twisting of something 
when you do wrong, it's, and the Holy Spirit just kind of twists in you and goes, no, 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 no. You say, right. And you repent of it. What is repentance? It's just simply confessing what you did is wrong. When you, when you would sin against your mom and dad, or you'd lie or you'd steal, what did your mom and dad ultimately want you to do? Die? No. They just simply wanted you to confess. Taking the cookie was wrong. That's all they were looking for. And then they whipped you. <laughs> the whipping was to remind you not to do it again. And God does that to us. And be not entangled in the yoke of bondage. In Hebrews, it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 15, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. We can celebrate this morning that the devil and his power have been destroyed. Yes. They're not completed yet. It's not all. I mean, the actual act is done, and the power has been destroyed. He still allows some time to work, but it's a done deal. And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I never realized people were as afraid of death as I have this 2020. 2020 has shown, actually shown me some things. People are way more afraid of death than what I realize, especially the unsaved people. Well, can you blame them for where they're going? All creation is in this bondage. In Romans 8.21, it says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the, glor <laughs> the glorious liberty of the children of God. What kind of liberty we got coming? Glorious liberty of the children of God's coming. Glorious past your imagination. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered the heart of man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. We have a flower at my house that my wife bought, and I don't know what it's called, but it's just the most magnificent. I sent a picture of it to some of you, and it's just a red, it's like a lily, and it came up, and we watched it come up and get a bulb, and we watched it open over days and weeks. We watched the whole thing open. And I said, only God could do that. Out of the ground, out of the ground, this bulb came up. And, and this, this fabulously architectured, designed piece of beauty was developed. And it's so delicate. I said, whoa, whoa, what's heaven going to be like? What's heaven going to be like? If that's the way it is in this world, which is struggling so much. But it says that the creation has been delivered to the bondage of corruption. To illustrate that, to illustrate that, by the way, Chris, on the video of this, cut the wiping of the nose off every time, would you please? Um, only you people get to see that. 
I watched a YouTube video of a wolf howling. Some of you may have seen it. I sent it, sent it around. And this wolf laying on the ground, it's clear to me that the animals were placed under this bondage involuntarily. God placed them under a bondage of corruption against their will. They did not sin. The animals did not sin. And this wolf lifted his head up toward heaven and had this most mournful cry. It was the most mournful cry. And it was an extended cry. And then another wolf answered, and another wolf answered. And pretty soon, 40, 50 wolves were all howling. What is that? That's God telling you. That's the mourning of the creature that has been placed under the bondage of corruption. Geese do it. I heard geese, I've heard the swan song of a goose. It'll make you want to cry to hear it. It's unbelievable. And every time I hear the animals do that, I think God has placed in them. And for us, this cry that there's coming a day of deliverance, the glorious liberty of the children of God. This bondage is described as a spirit, by the way, because now we're going to read our text. That was introduction. Be scared. No, do not fear. In fact, we're... Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry. This is a baby talk, okay? This next word is baby talk. There's no translation for this word. This word is the word in the, in the Greek, Abba. Abba. There's no translation for it. It's Abba. It's, it's, it's a baby's cry for his mother or father. In this case, father. Abba, father. It's a cry of security. It's a cry of tender comfort. He says, the spirit of bondage is what you used to have under fear. And you cried when you had the spirit of bondage. You cried when you were under fear. But now that you've come to Christ and known him as your personal savior, you now have a different cry. You still cry. But it's a different cry. It's a cry of comfort. It's a cry of tenderness. About six months ago, I'm going to tell you something very personal to myself. My mother... When she took me in bed when I was a young man, you know, she would kiss me on the cheek. She would say, love you little Billy. About six months ago, I asked my wife, coming up on her 
50th anniversary. If we make it that long, we've been at each other pretty hard lately. I said, uh, when I go to bed, would you would you come over and kiss me on the cheek and say, I love you, little Billy. She said, I'm not your mother. <laughs> I told you we may not make it. I said, just shut up and do it. Now, she's been doing that. The tenderness of that is Abba Father. We've not received the spirit of bondage to fear. You've received that tender spirit of relationship with the Holy Spirit. Whereby we cry, Abba Father. I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I feel the icy cold breath of fear whisper to me occasionally. I hear his intimidations. I sense his terror. Do you? The Bible has a lot of different spirits that are in the world. It says there's a lot of different spirits in the world. What are spirits? Or voices. Voices. You know what I'm talking about. How many here talk to themselves? Who are you talking to? Um, the Holy Spirit whispers to you. The devil whispers to you. The demons whisper to you. The, there's spirits in the world. Both The Bible says both good and bad. We're constantly making choices as a Christian. Um, that's why we, we're supposed to get up and prepare ourselves in prayer every day, asking God for wisdom and understanding. We're not of the spirit of fear. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. But that does not mean you're not going to be under some testing. And that does not mean that some days you won't wonder which one of them is going to win. A few years ago, I took a medicine. I want to give you a heads up on this. This may not be true for everybody. I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to give you a heads up. I took a medicine, and it's called a beta blocker. It's for high blood pressure. Many people take it. What it did to me was horrible. I had AFib for a while. I think I'm over, by the way. I had AFib, and bad AFib. Was in the hospital four times one year, four or five times. And they gave me this beta blocker, heavy, heavy shots of beta blocker to reduce my heart. And I'd go home in fear, horror, terror. At night, I didn't want to look out the windows because I was afraid of what I'd see. You remember Shock Theater, 11 o'clock years ago? You old people, Shock Theater, 11 o'clock? I used to watch that, then I wouldn't sleep all night. I don't know where the wolf man was coming through the window. I don't know what was going to happen. But I mean, 
I'm talking about I'm a rational adult, born again, called of God preacher, and I had fear, deep fear, horrible fear, unexplainable fear. Do you know fear is involuntary? Breathing is involuntary. Stop breathing. You can't. You say, I can stop breathing. Yeah, for a minute, two minutes, three minutes. But you're not going to stop breathing long because it's involuntary. Stop your heart from beating. You can't. It's involuntary. Fear is involuntary. It comes on you. It's not a guest. It's not a welcome guest. It just comes on you. It just shows up. And I went through this. I think God had me go through this so he could test me. To where would I go when I had that kind of fear? Where would I go when I had that kind of fear? Well, you know where I went? I went to God. I, be, I began to name it and claim it, man. I began to call out God Bible verses, repeat them aloud, cry out in prayer to God, rebuke the spirit of fear as irrational as it is. I asked God for deliverance. I didn't come. For weeks, it did not come. And the beta blockers, God allowed them to wear off of me, and then go away. I'd go back in the hospital with AFib. They'd shoot me up with beta blockers. I'd have that fear deal for a week or two afterward. I'd go back in the hospital. I'd get over it. Go back in the hospital. That repeated four times. So I'm pretty confident that I know what was creating the fear. Chemical. But what the chemical did was open a door of insecurity. And when God was using that, you say, why did God let you go through that? God let me go through that so I could have sympathy for people who go through it. That's why. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells you that. He's the God of all comfort. And the reason he's the God of all comfort is because he went through the horror of Calvary. You say, what kind of spirits are there, Pastor? Well, in Matthew 3.16, there's the Spirit of God. In John 14, 17, there's a spirit of truth. In Romans 1, 4, there's a spirit of holiness. In 1 Corinthians 4, 21, there's a spirit of meekness. 2 Corinthians 4, 13, there's a spirit of faith. Ephesians 1, 17, the spirit of wisdom. Hebrews 10, 29, the spirit of grace. Revelation 11, 11, spirit of life. Revelation 19, 10, the spirit of prophecy. Those are good spirits. There's 11 of them that I found. There's also bad ones. There's a spirit of unclean spirits. I've, I've met a few of them. Luke chapter 4, verse 33. The spirit of infirmity, Luke chapter 13, verse 11. The spirit of divination, Acts chapter 16, verse 16. The spirit of the world, 1 Corinthians 12, 2, 12. The spirit of error, 1 John 4, 6. The spirit of wickedness, Ephesians 6, 12. The spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7. The foundations of the bondage of fear we have been delivered from. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can go out of here today, and whatever happens in our government, whatever happens in this country, whatever happens down the road, by the grace of God and through his power and the Holy Spirit and the redemption of the blood of Christ, we've been delivered from the power and the bondage and the slavery of fear. Because fear is an evil taskmaster. What is fear? It's uncertainty. And what is coming is the prospect of pain, horror, trouble, 
it's often irrational, involuntary. It's like, it's like, how do I know it's involuntary? There's people in this room have a fear of frogs. There's no point. In, it's in, how many people do you know have been killed by frogs? How many people do you know have been hospitalized by a frog jumping on them? It's irrational. It comes involuntarily. But have you ever seen anybody afraid of something like spiders? How many know, I have never known anybody die of a spider bite. And yet people are horrified by spiders, some of, some of them. It's irrational. It makes no sense. But, buddy, when you're looking at that person and their respiration's up and their blood pressure's up and their sweaty palms, it is controlling their body. Irrational fear. People are afraid of the dark. They're afraid of snakes. They're afraid of cats. That I go with. I'm not afraid of them, but I... They're afraid of dogs. They're afraid of mice. We've been delivered from all fear. We're not into the bondage of that anymore. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. By the way, you say, well, what fear have you been? What is this? What's he talking about in Romans 8, 15? He's talking about what Jesus talked about in in Luke chapter 12, and verse 5, Jesus talked about a fear that was not irrational, that was real. What was it? He says, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. These are Jesus' words. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Let those words sink so deeply down into your mind. The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. He says, Jesus, the one who wouldn't break a little reed off, the tender lamb of God says, I'll tell you who you need to fear. Fear the one that after he's killed your body has the power and the right and the justice to send you to a place called hell because you rejected the gift of, the, of his son for your sins. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the Son of God. You say, well, I haven't made a decision. You've already made it. By saying I don't know means you won't or didn't. And so... Oh, my goodness. Revelation chapters 14, verse 11. This verse just sends chills up and down my spine. The smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. They drink of the wine of the wrath of God in a place called hell. Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verses 42 to 48. He said some outstanding, amazing things. He said, it'd be better to pluck your eye out, cut your hand off, 
or to cut your foot off than to go to a place called hell where the worm dies not nor the fire is not quenched. You can't be too afraid of hell. You can't be too afraid of hell. You say, I don't believe in it. Don't make any difference what you believe. It don't change the temperature of hell one degree Fahrenheit, what you believe. God made it. That's the place that the folks who reject Jesus must go. You can argue the justice of it. You can take your little bony finger and point it in God's face and say he's not fair or he's not a loving God. But if you reject Christ, you're going there. And all I'm up here to do is say, don't go there. You don't have to. Jesus saved you, died for you, gave his life for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who served believe in them should not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you under the bondage of fear, or are you under the bondage of adoption? Both of them's bondage. You're either under the bondage of fear, or under the bondage of adoption. I'll tell you, the bondage of adoption is sweet. It's your mama bending over at night, kissing you in the cheek and saying, I love you, little Billy. I hope you know Christ. I hope you're not listening to this and ignoring it, putting it aside, saying this is a crazy preacher and always talking about. Because I know the Holy Spirit is telling you what I'm saying is right. See, it's not just me preaching. It's the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God doing the will of God. Father, help us this morning. It just goes out if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.